Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Talking Pack, the official sports podcast of the Nevada Sagebrush. I am your host, Derek Raritan, sports editor for the Sagebrush. Along with me today is Dominic Gutierrez, who is a sports writer for the Sagebrush as well. How are you doing today, Dom? I'm doing pretty well. How are you, Derek? It's been a couple weeks, I'm not going to lie, but you know what? I'm happy to be here. So today, we have a lot of things to discuss when it comes to the football team. A lot of different scenarios, a lot of different things being passed around with them going down 0-2 for the first time in six years. So we're going to dive into that, but first, let's start off with a week in review. First off, the women's volleyball team went to Riverside, California to compete in the UC Riverside Cal Baptist University tournament on September 8th and 9th. The team went 1-2 once again, dropping their first two games 2-3 on September 8th and winning its third on September 9th, 3-0. The program's next tournament will be the Wolfpack Tournament, where it will play on September 14th and 16th. Dominic? Yeah, in football, it took on the Idaho Vandals and its home opener on September 9th, losing 33-6. Nevada was only able to muster up two field goals while allowing Giovanni McCoy, the Idaho quarterback, and the rest of the Vandals to dominate both sides of the ball. The team's next game will be on Saturday, September 16th at home against the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, um, speaking of the football team, uh, there's a lot of things that we can get into about this. But first, coming from us being here when Carson Strong everybody, uh, and all of his supporting crew was here dominating the offense, we're getting a very different sort of feel this year now, two years later. What did, what was your initial reactions, Dom, to when like, like watching that game and comparing the two? Yeah, I mean, those two teams are completely different. You don't have that core of you know Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs. Um, it's a completely it's a younger team. It's an inexperienced team. It's a lot of guys who you know they're starting out. They don't have a ton of experience, and especially under. A second-year head coach now with Ken Wilson. Um, it's kind of, it's just a learning experience for everybody. They they just haven't shown that same explosiveness that Carson Strong and the rest of those teams showed. Um, so it's just you're not going to ever reach that level per se. Um, you can't really compare the teams completely, but it's going to come down to you need to have some similarities. You need to be able to drive down the field. Um, you need to be able to have those wide receivers get separation. And overall, you just need to play more competitive, which they aren't doing right now. And that kind of leads right into what I was going to bring into. Like, what exactly went wrong? There was a lot of things that went wrong, but what were like some of the main things in your mind that went wrong during the Idaho game? I would just say, I mean, we could break it down between the offense and the defense because they both had their issues. But it was really, they were incapable of putting any kind of pressure, especially offensively. Um, I mean, they made a couple trips down to the red zone, and they only converted, they were one for three in the red zone, um, still didn't score a touchdown. So it was a thing where they just showed no aggression. Um, they let the Vandals defense just run all over them. You know, quarterback Brendan Lewis, he barely passed the 100-yard passing mark. He's just not yeah. showing, he's not, and I'm not to say he's, he's not a bad quarterback. You know, no. we got him for a good reason. He's a good dual threat. He can use his legs a lot, which we've seen already in the past two games. But they just haven't shown any kind of aggression to go downfield. And, I mean, when you don't score a touchdown and it's your home opener, you're all you're doing is showing to your fans that 
this isn't a serious team. So, I mean, and the defense is a whole nother conversation. Oh, yeah, no. I, I think that with the defense, this is – now, of course, we had um, Blackwell hurt. He messed right. up his shoulder in the US, USC game, and he was the only person with five solo tackles that game. So, obviously, we're missing one of our best players in that case, right? But in the end, like, defensively, there were so many things you could pick apart from that. And the main one, just sort of like, for me at least, was the first play. <laughs> yeah, I've that never, was, that's something else. It, I, I didn't expect to all of a sudden, like, have to watch a 77-yard, I believe it was like a run, straight to the house in the first play and you're at the first play of the season at your home and you give up 77 yards for a touchdown oh i it irked me beyond belief and of course i was watching the game with a bunch of friends who graduated from u of i right. so very much not a fun environment mm-hmm. for myself to all of a sudden have to just sit there and just ag at you know in agony just speechless yeah it was it was ugh. it was so bad but it was that and then just the inability to sort to even stop them on the passing game either, just because I'm I I don't even know how many yards they got in that game. I think it was somewhere like around like 270 if I remember correctly. Could you check that for me, please? Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, I know McCoy had well over 300 passing yards. Yeah, 313, um, I think it was actually. Yeah. So they were just they were running all over them. Um, I know in total, um, Nevada's defense has allowed. 49 and a half points um, and over 500 yards per game. And that's between those two games. I know the USC game, that's a little inflated. But exactly. They're obviously, they're allowing way, the secondary just looks lost almost. And it's just, to give up that many yards in two games, it's it's a little rough. It, it, it's rough because, like, I can only imagine the fans who showed up thinking, oh, it's Idaho. Who's from Idaho? No one's from Idaho. Right. This is going to be... This, not, not the fact that it's going to be a cakewalk, but it should be a game that we should win. Little did anybody know they were a top seven or top six FCS school going into this year. Mm-hmm. McCoy, who we mentioned earlier, was runner-up for the Walter Payton FCS Player of the Year Award. Right. <laughs> so it's just like you sit there and you look and you're like, no one knew about this. And, of course, not, we don't expect every casual you know student of UNR or even the faculty of UNR, to know all the stats. But it's like, to give them some credit, they weren't playing some schmuck, to say the least. They were playing a good team. It's just a team that we probably should have at least contended with. And we won't. And like knowing that we only put up two field goals, like you mentioned, no touchdowns against this mm-hmm. team. It irks me beyond belief. And that makes me think, we haven't won a game in over a year. We, as in like Nevada. Right. Football has not won a game in over a year. 12-game losing streak. Exactly. And it's, depending on who you ask, especially at Vegas, it's going to be a 13-game losing streak after Kansas. Mm-hmm. Is this is this going to be the beginning of a hot seat for Ken Wilson? I know he's only in the second season, but you got to think, he's only won two games since coming to UNR. What does this mean for him? Yeah, I mean, I think, when especially when you look at last year's first season, you know, the Wolfpack started off 2-0. We were riding high on, you know, maybe Ken Wilson really is the future of this program. Um, and then they go and lose their next 10, finish 2-10. and 10, um, And now they've started off 0-2 and they haven't shown any promise. Um, it's hard to say, especially him only being in the second year, to say he should be on the hot seat. But I do think these next 10 games of the season are going to kind of be a 
a tryout per se for him and his coaching staff. He kind of needs to prove to the university that, hey, I inherited this new team. It, you know, it's a lot different than last year. A lot of transfers, especially from the Pac-12. Um, so he kind of needs to show the athletic director and everyone else here at the university that, you know, he can lead them out of this slump, break this losing streak, no matter how long it goes, um, and show some kind of improvement because it's not impossible to say that this Wolfpack team might go winless. And if that's the case, it's hard for Wilson to show them why he deserves to be on that sideline in 2024. I know that we're the youngest team, or one of the youngest teams, if not the youngest team in all of FBS, mm-hmm. right? It makes sense. We haven't had these players take too many starting snaps. But at the exact same time, you're looking at this, and just the whole thing overall just looks like a mess. It's not something that someone who was nationally ranked at one point in time in Oregon all of a sudden is coming over here and just... Not, not the fact that he's trying to ruin the franchise. He's not at all, because that would be a horrible thing to do. But, like, just taking us down to a peg accidentally, if anything, to where now we're a laughingstock in the Mountain West, which, not to be rude to the Mountain West, but that is kind of the bottom of the barrel when it comes to any conferences. Yeah. So, and that's just been statistically the, the pattern this year even, because I believe even our first week that we played, Mountain West went 2-9. and nine overall or something along those figures so it's like yes we are the bottom of the barrel when it comes to conferences and we're the bottom of the barrel of the barrel (laughs) to kind of put it bluntly so it's there's a lot of things that needs to go right for ken wilson to not be in the hot seat after this season but i do agree that it's a little early to start sounding those alarms right i think there's a lot more there should be a lot more focus on the season rather than whether or not wilson should keep his job because he is a good coach. So it's not as if he can't rebound. It's just a matter of when will he and what will it take. And don't get me wrong. I mean, these first four te- first four games, they're all against out-of-conference teams. Good um, good out-of-conference right. teams, Right, so too. it's hard to really look at it and judge how this team is going to be, especially when our first conference game is against Fresno State at the end of the month. Um, I believe it's September 30th. Um, so we, it's a long road to that. But again, when you look at last year's team, which was arguably worse than this year's team, especially on paper, Nevada started the same way, playing out-of-conference teams, um, and they went 2-2, two and two, um, especially winning those first two. So, you know, I know you can look at the opponents this season and say, okay, you played USC, and you're about to play Kansas. They're coming in hot. They're 2-0 and so far. But to a point, you can't use it too much of an excuse, and you have to say, sure, we may lose, but... There needs to be, in any loss, there needs to be a positive taken out of it. And I haven't seen any positives to take out of these past two games besides they apparently don't know how to s- score touchdowns and the defense can't hold anything, really. See, I would argue that because I do think there is a positive in all of this. It's our run game. <laughs> now, of yeah. course, our offensive line hasn't been doing well. Again, very young core, and we have to get a lot more experience right but our running game has been pretty dang good you know sean dollars despite everything that's been going on has ran 18 times for 81 yards it's like four and a half yards a carry right so even with this stuff going on his production 
is has been good. And Lewis has been shown multiple times that he can get first downs or just a few yards with his feet. Bianco showed that one time during the Idaho game. So I would argue that there's not much to like right now for Nevada football, but at least the run game, which I believe is destined sometime this season to have like a 100, 150, 200-yard game mm-hmm. at some point, is actually a highlight, at least a hopeful highlight <laughs> coming in, uh, uh, going into the rest of the season. Right, yeah, and I mean, prior to the season even starting, one of the points I had thought about was I was predicting dollars to potentially finish with over a thousand yards after that season's end. Right. He's, he was he's very talented from Oregon. Um, he didn't get much snaps playing over there, and now he comes over to Nevada. He he's running back number one. He's going to be the full starter, and him partnered with Ashton Hayes, who came over from Cal. Oh yeah. Those two, they're going to be a very solid run duo, but obviously they need that open lane um they need that offensive line to step up and go through the growing pains and that's i would say that's definitely the frustrating part is the potential this team has when you look at lewis when you look at dollars you know when you look at this wide receiver court on the paper there's a lot of talent that it should be clicking and it's frustrating to see how it's not so far exactly and I don't know. There, there's there's a lot to look forward to. But, like, I, out of all of the stuff that we talked about, there is still a game this weekend, right? Right. So there's a lot of things that need to happen in order for us to win a lot this season. But for Kansas specifically, who, I'm not going to lie, I've collaborated with the Kansas student newspaper, amazing people over there, and I didn't realize Kansas had four interceptions for turnovers last in terms of like just turnovers mm-hmm. and interceptions, had four of them in just one game, right? Of course, it was not against a team that was completely well known, but it was still again it was still four interceptions when their defense was a question mark going into that game. Their running game hasn't had a game below 200 yards, I believe, even more than that, and their quarterback has been dealing similar numbers. So defensive aside, because obviously the, their offense is probably going to explode while they're here, right? What needs to happen in order to beat Kansas? I would really say it's just about, besides the defense, like you said, it comes down to more aggression out of the offense, just in general. Getting that run game going so that Lewis isn't having to rely on, you know, scrambling downfield, trying to find open receivers. Um, Having that more flexible playbook um, instead of a more kind of one-dimensional of what we've seen. And really just making it more competitive like i said i had mentioned before that yeah you can have a they have a bad offense right now and a bad defense but i really only think you need at least one to work if you at least want to have a chance you know if your defense is going to go out and give up 35 plus points whatever but at least let the offense they need to be they need to step up you know if kansas is going to march downfield on the first drive and score a touchdown i want to see nevada make that same attempt you know it needs to be especially you need to pick one you know and i would prefer to see the offense you know they keep close with kansas they go back and forth you know if it means winning three points in a shootout and you know combined it's over 60 70 points i'd rather have that and know hey this offense is capable of keeping up with these teams this offense is how it should be how we saw it in the preseason um, and then you can focus on the defense, but I would rather see the offense click um, and let the defense kind of 
go off of that because they kind of go into this, right? Like, if your offense isn't scoring and they're going three and outs, your defense is constantly on the field. That's not going to help them either. Well, that's fair. But I do subscribe to the testament of defense wins championships. Mm -hmm. So I think our defense just needs to wake up in all all facets. Again, we're getting Blackwell back this week. He's going to be a great addition. So I'm happy that he's back. We're gonna our defensive line, who historically has been up and down in the past like few few seasons, needs to really step up and show that they can be some sort of force. Granted, they have in recent weeks. They've gotten a couple sacks. You know, they've applied pressure, but it's not enough when you're when you have quarterbacks throwing for 300 plus yards on you every single game. Yeah. And again, that's not just them. That's secondary too. The secondary, who, the secondary has, in my opinion, been the one problem that Nevada has always had since two, three years ago, right? And of course, you had other court, you had Carson Strong and his group two, three years ago, who could actually help that problem, and not necessarily just have them, you know, implode themselves because their uh, secondary is not doing good. Now you don't have that. You didn't have it last season. You don't have it this season. So you really have to think, what is the secondary going to, going to do in order to truly stop the Jayhawks? Right. Which, right now, doesn't seem like much, but they can wake up and do some great things. They need better spacing. They need to cover them. They need to cover a lot more ground than they have been now. A lot of, a lot of the time at when they were playing Idaho, people were wide open or had like two, three yards worth of space. It wasn't. As if they weren't trying, but it was very, very costly mistakes that allowed them to get big gains all throughout the game. You can't have that. Right. So while I do agree the offense needs to wake up, especially since it was so highly recruited, both in transfers and just in signees in general, that defense needs to show that these that we can play. Because if we can't and every game's a shootout, it's a hit or miss on whoever gets the first stop. And that game practically ends in the first second quarter. You know? And going back to how you said with the defense, I mean, I would also like to just see the tackling get better. Um, I know, I mean, I'm sure you can agree, There's especially in the past two games, let alone the Idaho game, a lot of missed tackles, a lot of oh, low-level tackles. I mean, I know cornerback uh, uh, Richard Tony Jr., um, he was he led the team in tackles against the Idaho game. He did, yeah. And that was only seven total. The rest of them all had the rest of that secondary. The rest of the defense alone, um, all had under five. So it was. It's just, especially that first drive. I mean, you look at it. There should have been a lot of chances to where that first drive didn't result in a long touchdown, but it did. And they just, they aren't being aggressive off that push. They're. It seems like they're more watching the player rather than the ball. And mixing that with no separation between the no tackling it's just it's that's what's really been killing them it's gonna be a fight this weekend yeah because i, I mean i had said it earlier vegas has us at practically a 30 point underdog i believe it's a like 28 specifically but almost 30 point underdog that's what they had us against usc <laughs> yeah and this is kansas not to be rude mm-hmm. to kansas kansas is an amazing but they're school no, yeah they're no usc they're not usc they're not alabama they're not these top ranked schools yeah. that should have a 30, 40 point favorite on the game like this, but they are doing so well. And it's, uh, Nevada needs to step up if they want to win. But, anyways, 
I think that's it for today. So I was supposed to do this at the beginning of the podcast, but... One more thing. I would like to throw out to the fans predictions, final predictions for Saturday. Yes, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Okay, that works. So yeah. uh, so what is your prediction then? I'm going to go ahead and say, I mean, I would love to see Nevada get their first win, but with how they've obviously been performing the past two games, there's not a lot of faith, especially with how... Not hungry, but just how explosive Kansas has been so far in the two games they've won. Right. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say 38-16 to 16 in favor of Kansas. I see Nevada at this rate. They'll be able to score one touchdown. Um, but then it's just going to be followed by field goals, and kicker Brandon Telton's going to be – he's once again going to be the offensive MVP for Nevada because he's really been the only one scoring for them. It hurts so much to hear that a kicker is going to be the offensive player of the game. And no offense to Talton. I mean, no, 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 he's no. one of the best, arguably the best kickers in the Mountain West Conference, yeah, you know? Yeah, but agreed. But he shouldn't just... have to be getting that much work. Exactly. Especially when we're so recruited so much, but whatever. Um, but no, so my prediction, and I said this for um, the the Daily Kansan, mm-hmm. and shout out Daily Kansan, thank you so much. Uh, respect to them, as well as Sam Winton. I, I loved working with y'all this week, but it's just there's not much for them. They're not giving me enough to love at all, and I do think this will be a blowout just because there's so many question marks. Kansas is firing on all the right cylinders right now. I think it's going to be 45-13 Nevada. <laughs> I think yeah, fair. it's either a touchdown uh, with two touchdowns with a miss uh PAT by accident, whatever, or maybe they go for two and they and they biff it, mm-hmm. or it's gonna be a touchdown, two field goals, and that's it. Yeah. And I I I wish I could I wish I could predict more, but I don't think I can. And then and Kansas is just gonna Kansas is gonna be Kansas. <laughs> so. And that's what the sad thing is until Nevada can give us a reason to why our predictions should be higher for them, then we kind of have to go on the. It's sad that we have to say they might only score. 10 points, 14 points, but that's all they've shown us so far. So, Oh, yeah, agreed. So hopefully they prove us wrong, though. If yeah. they prove us wrong and they – I would love that. If I'm not going to lie to you. If they win this week, I'm going to – like, as a fan, now as a journalist, I'm, this is a fan perspective right now. I know this is supposed to be right. official and everything, but fan perspective, I'm going to lose everything mentally because mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, oh, my God, we won. Yeah. That is such a that, – that is a monumental win. Right now, if we do somehow beat uh, beat Kansas. And the confidence that's going to give to oh. everybody. It's just going into that next game. I believe we play. Texas um, State, I yeah, believe. Yeah, Texas State. It's going to be, compared to the past two games, you're going to see a completely change of attitude within the stands on with Ken Wilson, just everybody. It's That's what the university needs at this point. Exactly. So, anyways, now that we are done, I was supposed to do this at the beginning of the podcast, but shout out to Dominic Gutierrez right here. I'm supposed to give you a little bit of a shout out and let you have a little bit of the floor, but why don't you take it right now, my friend? Go ahead, plug whatever, say whatever, you, say whatever, explain yourself. Give us a little bio if you may. No, yeah, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Um, along with Derek, I am a writer, sports writer for the Sagebrush. Um, started I'm a sports editor, get it right? No, <laughs> messing around. <laughs> um, I started last semester. Um, I was mainly covering baseball and softball, um, but now that the fall season is underway, I'm kind of going to be all over the place, whether it's uh, volleyball, football, soccer, golf, um, kind of be all over the place. Um, it's been pretty great working for the Sagebrush. Um, they've given me a lot of insight, and it's given me a great platform to 
reach out to the university students because um, quite frankly it's besides actual news outlets there's not really a strong way of delivering any news for that matter let alone sports to uh, students on campus um, and that's what the sage roast is exactly for um, so I hope this continues to go out it continues to get bigger so that more students faculty whoever um, can use this platform as a reliable source um, so yeah I've really appreciated working with not only you but everyone else um, yeah I appreciate that thank you and I look forward to because you are my co-host mm -hmm. here I am very much looking forward to seeing how this turns out a month three months six months right whole years i'm looking forward to seeing how both of us partnering on this one as well as how this podcast transforms so exactly. I, I appreciate you both thank yeah, you so much so thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of talking pack we do have our socials up so i'm very happy to announce that we have that follow us at talking pack on x because twitter is now been elon musk um follow us on x follow us on instagram um tiktok incoming not too sure when that will be ever up, but TikTok incoming. So make sure to be on the lookout for future episodes. I was your host, Derek Raritan. Tune in next week for episode two of Talking Pack. Have a good one, everybody. See ya.